What's up, podcast world? Back at you, Chad Belding. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Please remember to support the partners and sponsors that support us. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Realtree Outdoors, the family of camouflage brands from the state of Jordan. Bill Jordan, 1986, he came up with an awesome tree bark looking camo. It turned into what would revolutionize the hunting industry. Here we are some 30 years later and Realtree is still at the top of their game, always promoting friends, family in the outdoors ethical hunting compassion for the animals that we pursue and chase and hunt respect for the resource everything that bill jordan and his family and crew down in georgia at realtree have built their brand and camo patterns on is exactly what we believe in here at banded in the foul life and all of our brands so we're excited to have realtree as part of our family today's episode is also brought to you by our friends out of lynchburg tennessee enjoy it responsibly y'all know what i'm talking about the one and only jack daniels again no underage drinking enjoy it responsibly but let jack be there for you during all the good times hard times sad times happy times he's been there for us at duck camps all across this country we never partake more than we're supposed to we always use it in moderation but we truly believe in jack daniels and we love and respect how they support conservation in the outdoors and everything that we believe in here at all of our brands y'all know how big of a baseball fan i am my brothers are we got to play some college baseball at the d1 level we weren't good enough to go in what they call the mlb draft my guest today was good enough for both of those. He was actually committed to Mississippi State, which I uh, actually played at Ole Miss and MSU back in the day. Um, terrible fans. You guys were brutal on us. Uh, but he decided to go in the uh, the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, and he was selected, uh, I think, 41st overall. Austin Riley, Atlanta Braves. How are you, my brother? I appreciate you having, having me on here Uh but uh, you know, it's it's um it's been a it's been a wild ride right now <laughs> in, in the MLB world, I'll tell you that. You think uh you think that you I mean coming up you never expected this to happen with uh with the season going on like this right now. It's 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 I don't know if it's even possible for the world class athlete. You know, I've talked to world class athletes that, you know, well, can you get up without the crowd? The the you know the the energy that vibrance that aura that ba- the baseball fields is all built on the sounds and the and the home team having the advantage over the visiting team because the crowd is into we, we we saw what happened in St. Louis just now with all the positive tests St. Louis has some of the best baseball fans in the country in my opinion they're very educated they're very respectful baseball fans um and to see you know Bush Stadium empty or where you play down in Atlanta empty and trying to get fired up for that that seems to me like no matter how good of an athlete you are no matter how mentally disciplined you are austin it's got to be tough to to be on that on deck circle and not have anybody to show off for right because you're all playing for the fans when you're playing right the only reason why we have a job is the fans um you know and and not having anybody you know to play for it's it's definitely weird and, and it's different but um you know you you kind of can can only control what you can control and do what you can do and and you know we're trying to figure out ways to get amped up. Um, you know, the talk around the, the clubhouse was, you know, we were going to do like bubbles or something in the, in the dugout whenever something happened good or, um, you know, a smoke machine, something, you know, we're trying to get going for, for, you know, for the game. Um, but it, it is, it's not, it's, it's not the same without the fans. Like I said, you know, we play for them, um and, and they bring the energy for us you know like i said with the, and bush stadium is is a uh 
it's probably one of my favorite stadiums that I play for because, you know, their fans, they, they understand the game. And, and, you know, coming in as an, an opposing team, if you do something well, they're going to appreciate it. They're going to cheer for you. Just, you know, and, and same with Atlanta. The fans are, are outstanding. And um, it, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird time right now. And let's let's rewind a little bit though. When you were coming up, the love of the game as a kid. You're born in Memphis, Tennessee. You end up going to high school in South Haven, which is kind of on the border of of Tennessee and Mississippi. And growing up, were you uh, uh, more than a baseball player? Did you enjoy other sports, or was your body built for baseball? Did you play high school football? Did your dad say, "Hey, let's not take a chance of any injuries in football because they do come quite a bit"? Uh, what was your What was your upbringing like? A little bit in athletics. So I played. I played basketball. I played football. Uh, I played basketball up until my ninth grade year. Played football all the way through high school. Uh, I quarterbacked um, until my junior year. And then what, you know, everything's getting so competitive now with seven on seven with football during the summers, my focus was baseball. We had a guy there that, um, you know, that was, was 100% football. So I ended up, my dad punted at Mississippi state uh, two seasons with Detroit Lions. So I ended up just doing the kicking game, my junior and season or senior year. Um, but I played it all. And, and that's what I, to be honest, I miss, Friday night lights the most about high school. I know we, uh, we want to stay championship in baseball, but it's something about Friday night, you know, going out there with the boys, uh, playing football that I, I miss dearly. What, what was it like on Friday night lights for a, for a Mississippi, you know, you hear about Texas and how big the crowds are. Were you, uh, were you sitting there in your locker with your headphones on listening to Hank Sr.? Did you listen to Elvis because you're from Memphis where Graceland is? How did you get fired up? What music were you listening to? And were you one of those raw, raw guys or were you a team leader or were you a quiet leader that led by example? I was, I was a quiet, I'm a quiet guy. I keep to myself majority of the time. Um, but we had some, we had some guys there that would, you know, get the, get the boom box cranked up, uh, you know, rap, hip hop, whatever it was, you know, before before the games on Friday, um, and I, I let them, you know we just let them control that. And um, like I said, I was I was kind of a leader by by example, and just uh, you know was was there for my teammates whenever whenever they need me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I if I uh, could get fired up more for football more than Friday Night Lights are cool. But where we come from, it's not like it is in the South. And even in the college game of football, you know, you have the Pac-10 out here and the UCLA's or the Stanford's. Arizona's been all right. USC's had some really good championship teams. But for the most part, when you're down where, you know, in the SEC and those different parts of the country where you're at Mississippi or you're LSU or Arkansas or, you know, all the way over to the Bamas and, and the Bulldogs, it's crazy the amount of energy and the crowd participation and what football means to those campuses. And it just doesn't seem like it holds the same power out where I'm from or even in the Midwest, even though there's been some good teams. I'm not saying there's not, but it just seems like SEC football where, you know, in Texas has got strong college football, but it goes from like really strong high school football. And then all of a sudden the SEC has kind of taken over that power ranking of, of college football. So, yeah. um, I, I get, I get, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, I was just saying, kind of like you said, whenever, you know, you got to play at Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the fans, you know, they, they take it to a whole nother level. Um, and, I, you know, going, you know, going through the, the ranks, with it, you know, in pro ball, talking guys that are from different, you know, parts of the, the country, you know, 
I really don't have a, a NFL team, but like I live for, you know, college football and they're like complete opposite. They're not, not big on college football, but huge, um, you know, NFL guys. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a different, you know, around, you know, where we are. And, and, you know, I honestly didn't know that NFL, you know, people tailgated for NFL until a couple of years ago, um, which was, was, you know, kind of an eye opener for me. You just thought they did it for SEC. Right. Yeah, exactly. Growing up, that's all I knew. So it was just like, it was, it was definitely, um, something different. So when you, when you get to the, when do you know that you are, are starting to be a standout? Like I often wonder what it's like for a kid in high school. You start getting the scouts. You, uh, you obviously have a good arm cause you were a quarterback at one time. You play outfield, a lot of mainly third base and baseball. You got to have a strong arm at the hot corner. Outfielders are relatively, um, you know, no, you're known for having relatively very strong arms. Most of them besides Barry Bonds, who was such a stud, he could get to the ball and get rid of it so quick that he still had a lot of assists cause he just knew how to read the game, you know? Um, but when do you start seeing it as a kid, Austin? When are you start? Are you in the paper all the time as a standout? Um, what you say you have a quiet personality. Do you, does your family know that there that something special's going on? Is that why you transitioned to punter so you don't get tackled and hurt because you know your baseball career is going somewhere? Um, you know, it's I like not to think like that, but at the same time, you know, you kind of have to. You know, I, I committed to Mississippi State my sophomore year of high school. Um, so I was getting some attention, you know, fairly early. Um, but like kind of what I said is, is we had a guy there that played quarterback that was 100% football. Um, and he was there for the seven on sevens all the time. And, and, you know, he just put in the time. So, you know, he, he deserved that role to be, you know, the quarterback and, you know, it just kind of the cards played out right or, you know, perfect to where, you know, I could just punt, but still be a part of the team. And, um, you know, you, you know, I, so I'd say probably my, my sophomore year of, you know, of, of high school, really, I knew that kind of baseball was, was my direction and, and what I, you know, was, you know, needing to, to pursue. And what were the, what were the talents? Were you a five tool player at the time? Um, were you being judged on that criteria or were you just a small town standout that the local paper was on to you? The coaches loved you. Your family was always in the mix there. Or were you really getting told like, look, we need to start working on this. Your strength con- and conditioning went to a different level. Your, your cardio went to a different level because going from high school to college is one step, but going from co- high school to rookie ball and then to a, and then to high a, and then to double a, and then to triple a, and you made the move pretty quick. Um, and now you're hitting big bombs. I've seen some big bombs. I don't know how, what they've measured at, but you've hit some bombs this year that were like, good night. Where even like the guys on Fox sports and ESPN are like, holy shit. Right. Like you're hitting some bombs. So like, what, what do you, what, what are you good at when you're a sophomore that's telling you and your coaches that, Hey, maybe we ought to concentrate on this. You know, I actually committed to Mississippi State as a catcher. Um, so then they saw me. I committed as a catcher. I was going to play some some third base. You know, that was kind of the what they initially told me. Well, then they saw me on the mound. And then, so I was like, we're not going to catch. You're going to be, you know, you're going to throw some innings, you know, and play some third base. So that was kind of my role going into, you know, going into Mississippi State. But I, I threw the ball better than I hit, you know, in high school. Um, but I, be honest, I did not like pitching at all. 
Like I do not like it whatsoever. So, you know, I was, I was always, you know, really loved the game, you know, you know, playing every day, hitting. Um, so when I, when it comes to draft time, I'm doing my pre-draft workouts. Um, I went to, I think four different big league stadiums my senior year. Um, and they all, you know, I threw, uh, I think I threw maybe one bullpen uh, for those four or five teams, but I wanted to, to hit, you know, in professional league. So I think there was probably like 15 teams, you know, going in the draft that were looking at me as a pitcher and two teams looking at me as a position player. It was the Braves. And I want to say the Cubs were the only two teams that wanted me as a position player. And, you know, as a kid, you know, going through high school, I was like, dang, not many people want me as a, as a position player, but, you know, I, I, I knew, you know, kind of my worth ethic, you know, what I, what I felt like I had. And, and honestly, I took a chance. I backed out of the draft as a pitcher and only went as a position player. Um, and, you know, it, I've been very fortunate to, to, to have the success that I've had now, you know, and, and I'm, I feel like I hadn't even tapped into my potential because, you know, I'm always, I feel like I'm always working on something. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's crazy. Cause like I said, a, a lot of teams wanted me as a pitcher uh, and very few teams even looked at me as a, as a position player. Um, so I've been very fortunate to, to be where, where I'm at now uh, in my career. So you're saying that part of your psyche is part of your psyche is telling you, I'm not a pitcher. Like I want to go out and I want to, I want to either throw people out from the dish. I want to make a diving stop at third base, but I want to hit, I want to hit jacks. I don't want to be DH for well in the national league. If you go to the Cubs or the card or the, the Braves, you're, those are the position players. But if let's say you go to a national league team, you, you are hitting for yourself, but very once in a blue moon, um, your 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 ego is kind of telling you, man, I don't really want that. So now you're kind of nervous on draft day of who's going to take you. So we had we ended up having a pre draft deal worked out before before the actual draft happened. So I knew the Braves were, you know, it was it was a couple like they don't really tell you when they're taking you, but you kind of have a deal of like these are the couple slots that you're going to be picked, and and they they wanted me as a position player. So I was like, let's do it. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely hate pitching. Uh, my arm always hurt. <laughs> um in high school it never it never felt good um so it, you know it just it took the the fun out of the game you know going out there having to worry about you know I'm rubbing down icy hot all the freaking time trying to to scuffle a couple of innings in high school um but as soon as I got the pro ball stopped pitching arm never hurt you know I was able to enjoy the game a whole lot more and and I think you know it's a it's a blessing in disguise you know not you know taking that chance and, and not, you know, going as a pitcher. And, and what's your size? What's your size at this time? I'm um, right now. No, at this time when you're going in the draft. So let's back up a little bit. Junior year. I was, I'm probably six, three. I was pushing like two sixty. Like I'd gotten heavy and, uh, cause of football. No, cause you're done. At no, football no. At that I time. Was, so, so in the summers we were traveling all the freaking time. So I was like eating McDonald's just, you know, we were just bouncing from Atlanta to to Florida to we're traveling baseball, traveling baseball. Yeah, that's all. And I, I just like I, I didn't watch my diet, just ate whatever. And I got I, I blew up. Um, so you're a 17 year old, six foot three, 260 pound catcher. Yeah, I was good huge. night. <laughs> yeah, I was I was giant. Um, and so I go to I go out to uh, 
where was, I was in California at East Coast Pro show, a showcase where I was I was hitting and, and doing uh, some pitching there, and and a scout came up to me and was like, "Bro, he he basically told me I was I was fat. Like I mean, he said I was large, just like not I was sloppy, um, and took it to heart, and you know ended up junior year getting down to like two fifteen. Or no, my senior year getting down to two fifteen. You know, I ended up, you know, taking care of my body and, 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 you know, that kind of was the first step into transitioning into pro ball. So you got, you have a, um, scout come up and kind of ride you a little bit. Doesn't call you fat, but he's calling you everything else to make you know that that's what he's right, getting right. at. He's, yeah. He's calling me fat. <laughs> he's calling you fat. Um, you get down to, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good undertaking right there for a kid that's a senior in high school to go from 260 to 215 to get down there for his senior season for when the scouts get really serious, the cross checkers are coming to look at you. Are you, is your, are you hiring a nutritionist? Are you hiring personal trainers? Does your family know, do you know this senior year is getting ready to be really, really special for you? Yeah, my, my, I say the biggest thing is my mom helped me a lot. I didn't hire a nutritionist uh, or anything. My mom just kind of, you know, she was my nutritionist. She, you know, she cooked meals for me uh, for lunch. She was bringing me, you know, protein shakes. And, you know, just like I said, cleaning up the diet 100% was uh, was was the key to to being able to put myself in a position to to be more agile, more, you know, just to be in a, more of an athlete, you know, to, to be a position player. Um, and, and I think that was a huge factor of, of, for the Braves, you know, taking a, taking a chance on you. Has it been hard for you at all, Austin? Like, do you roll past the golden arches and you start salivating like a black lab when he, when the bull, the food's being poured into the bull? Right, before right. I get, I get is, it, is it tough like, for you? I mean, I, I go through spurts where, you know, I, I, I'll crush some, some McDonald's late night, but for the most part, I, I've done a, a really good job of, of keeping it keeping it down, and and um, you know, like I said, it's it's my my body's my career, my job. So you know, it's you got to you got to take it, uh, you know, you got to take it very very you know serious and important, and 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 you know, make it your your number one priority of of making uh, making sure you're you stay in shape. So when you're going into this senior year now, what are what are you experiencing as far as your psyche? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you a little bit apprehensive now to go to the dish because now the pressure's on and you there there's talks of like, you know, you you have a chance of of signing for millions of dollars as a 17, 18 year old kid. This is once in a blue moon. This is 0.01% of the young, the youth baseball population in America's high schools that have this opportunity presented to them, or even the idea of, of, of going through an entire senior year with this on your shoulders. You got, you start in August, you go through the entire football season, you start working out in probably January with the team or whatever the legalities are in that part of the country in high school baseball, you get, you get with the team in January, February, start your games in March. And now it's like, man, like the pressure's on, like, are you seeing the ball different? Are you putting too much pressure on yourself? Are there pitchers in the league that are, are just owning your ass? Like their sliders are biting off and you're not catching up. Like, are you putting too much pressure or is it just you're loose? And because I, what I want to get across in this Riley is when, when kids are at that age, the number one part of the game has to stay the number one part of the game. And that's fun. So right. are you having fun with your teammates? Are you jacking around? Are you still goofing around on the bus or are you just focused? 
focus forward with your blinders on like a pit bull that can't bite anybody and he's got one of those big bells on his head what, what's a, what's the feeling like mentally i don't let's talk about physicality after but mentally what are you experiencing you know i think it was i think i was very fortunate cuz i had we had a total of i think eight guys go my senior year to d1 i think four Four went to Ole Miss, four went to uh, went to Mississippi State. So, like, I was – there was a couple of us that were in that same boat, so we were able to mentally talk each other through it, you know. You know, like you said, bring keep the fun in the game. Make sure, you know, each other were, you know, calm going into the game. You know, like I said, we're, we're talking through the, the, the pitcher. You know, we're, we're able to have that, you know, that group, that, that team, you know, camaraderie, the – the togetherness of, of, you know, of a team that, you know, a baseball, you know, team should have that made it able for me to, to perform, you know, like I said, it, it was, you know, you kind of, before the game, you were able, you know, you were nervous, you know, you kind of, you saw the scout. I mean, cause like I said, there's not many people at a high school field. You see the scouts. I mean, they're, you can, they stick out like a, a sore thumb, you know, they got their backpacks on, they got their, their bucket hats on, you can pick them out. Um, and, you know, you, like I said, having, you know, other guys that are going through that same, same situation with you, that was, that was huge for me. Cause I could, you know, we could talk about it, you know, and, and it wasn't, I was having to hold it all in um, and deal with it myself. And I, I think that was a huge part of it. So how long into the senior season? Cause in, in college, if you go to Ole Miss or, or Mississippi State, your junior year, you're going to be eligible for the draft after you sign a D1 contract. But in high school, you can't leave high school early to go into the into the pros. You have to wait until after your senior year. So this is going to be the biggest season of your life because this could be the difference between two million dollar signing bonus to uh, a twenty five thousand dollar signing bonus. Now this, I hate to talk about money, but when that's on the table and you're eighteen and you have a chance to set yourself up for life, you know, figuratively speaking, with a, a pretty good in, in, a bank account going on. I know you're not playing for the money because I can tell by talking to you over the past couple of weeks that you're, that's not your mentality. What is like that first game? Like, are you, are you ready? When does the first home run come? When does the first smoke off the bat where you hit it on the sweet part of the bat come? Is it right away and the season just takes off? Were there any slumps? Did you have to bring yourself out of anything or was the whole season just fire for you? If I can remember correctly, I I played pretty consistent all the way through. Like it wasn't, I didn't have any slumps. Um, you know, my senior year, I I can't remember the numbers. You know exactly, um, but I I think I, I if I remember correctly, I had a really good you know senior season. And then, like I said, it goes kind of back to those guys that are in the same boat. You know, we're the year before my junior year, we we got beat. Um, in the state championship and, and that was kind of our my number one goal like my number one goal is I, I wanted to win a state championship the money you know you can't say you weren't thinking about it because every kid you know is thinking about it that's that's a dream um but for me it really wasn't like I don't think it really sat in that it I, it could happen until I actually got drafted I, you know you you think about it and you're like yeah it could happen but until it really does it's tough to put in perspective of, of the feeling like you, you think about it and you're like, no, that's not me. I, I, I can't, I can't do that. But, 
you know, it, it was it was an it was an awesome you know senior season. Like I said, we won the state championship, uh, and, and to enjoy that with with some of my buddies that I grew up playing with since T-ball. There was like six or seven of them that I grew up uh, all the way through. Like I said, T-ball, and and that was what was was so cool about it. Um, you know, outside of you know worrying about the draft because I almost backed out of the draft. Like I said, I'm a homebody, like, you know, right before my pre-draft workouts, um, you know, I, I, I didn't tell my parents, but like, I was like literally an inch away from being like, like, I just want to back out. I want to go to Mississippi state, you know, enjoy the college experience. Um, but like I said, I think, you know, if I would have done that, I, I would have been regretting it the, the whole way. So a couple things on that comment, the way that you were raised you have a tight relationship with your parents. Did the money change you at all when you got this signing bonus? Because it's it's, it's pretty strong, dude. For eighteen year old kid, that's that's more money than probably most of your family me- members made their entire lives added together. At least my family members, if I added them all together, like that's a good that's a good amount of money for an eighteen year old kid. Did you ever did you ever change your values? And I know it hasn't been that long ago, but did you ever get arrogant? Did you ever? treat people different because now all of a sudden you got money in the bank at a young, as a young man? No, I I don't think so. Um, you know, I think if anything, it, you know, it made me appreciate, you know, cause growing up, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So, you know, the value of a dollar was, was huge. And, and to be able to get that and, and, you know, right away, you know, got it with the, you know, once I signed with my agency, you know, got it with an investment and started investing in it you know, the right way, put together a plan to, to make sure, you know, down the road that everything is going to, you know, going to be okay. That was, you know, the, the number one goal and, and to, to give credit to my parents for, for, you know, kind of making me, you know, making me do that, making me make the right decisions. Um, Cause like I said, it's a lot of money for, for an 18 year old. Um, but, you know, I, I, I try to, to stay, you know, level-headed. Um, you know, I, I, I moved back home. I, I spent my off-seasons in Mississippi, um, you know, working out uh, at my dad's facility. You know, I go back to my high school every now and then and, and help with camps and stuff. Um, you know, so I try to – a lot of people have helped me get to where I am right now. And, and that's, you know, the ultimate, um, you know, sacrifices that they made. So, you know, anything I can do to, to, to give back, I, I try to. So going back to what you just said a second ago at the college life and almost backing out of the draft, you talk to guys like Tyler Jordan, who was, went to college in Mississippi, your friends that came out of your high school in South Haven and, and signed with Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Um, do you try to sneak down there and go to a college party? Are they telling you that you're missing out on the campus life? I know that you have a good – you're married, I think, now. But uh, um, do you do – you f- do you have you ever felt like damn it I missed the big part because you can't go back now you can go back when you're when you're yeah. 40 and get your degree if you want but you're not going to go back and, and and live the revenge of the nerds college campus life kind of deal where it's party night and waking up late and hard to get to class and all right do you, do you are do you regret it at all obviously you're a major leaguer so it's going to be hard to say yeah I do but have have you have you felt like you missed something not being able to go to college and live that campus life no. So my wife now is, uh, she went to Mississippi state and we dated, you know, while she was at college. So I spent my off season, my first two years at Mississippi state working out with the team. So I got to experience the college life without the school. So, and to me, I got the best of both worlds. That's cool. Uh, so I got to, you know, spend the off season, you know, they're working out, 
you know, I went to a couple um, um, parties with, you know, with Anna and stuff. So, I mean, I got to, you know, ultimately, you know, live the both life. Um, and, you know, talking to what the guys, you know, at, at, at Mississippi State, Brant, Keegan, my buddies there, um, I, I definitely made the right choice. Oh, well, you think <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, you're a major leaguer, dude. That uh, I think that that from the time you put on your first hat in T-ball, I think it's literally the, the, the dream of so many kids to become a major leaguer. And obviously when you're six, you have no idea what that takes and the, the level of talent up there. And that's why the fun part, the fun aspect is so important to the game. And I think that that's why, you know, the major leaguers that make it look like they're having fun and they're always out there for the right reasons. You know, I know that there's pressure. I know that you're playing for a paycheck, but the the fun part of it is talk to me a little bit about this. Now you're coming, you go from being the best player on your high school team. If you know, one of the top five, six players, you said you had several studs on the team, but you're a first round draft pick. So you obviously have some serious tools, talent, whatever it takes to become a major leaguer, which you're there a few short years later. When you look at your numbers, when you look at your numbers right now as a major leaguer over the last year, you hit the ball a long ways. Um, what are you having a hard time with? What are you working at? What's your, what is your psyche like right now of not being able to hit 400 like you did in high school and just tear up every pitcher coming in because now you're facing the best of the best. I mean, you're going from, you, you, you might face Kershaw one day to Scherzer the next. And like, this is the best baseball players in the world. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> opened up, we opened up this year facing DeGrom. So I mean, that just goes to show you yeah, DeGrom. how stay, you know, be ready quick. Um, that, that dude is like a superhero on the mound, right? I mean, the dude just throws freaking BBs. I saw the first opening day, I saw six sliders from him in a row at 94 miles an hour. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's, it's a whole different level, but uh, you know, the biggest thing that I'm having, you know, troubles with right now is just being consistent. Um, you know, for, you know, you always hear guys, you know, guys get to the big leagues, but can they stay, can they stay there? And the, and the ultimate, you know, factor of you know that is being consistent um and and, you know that's what I'm, I'm working on right now and you know being consistent with you know everything you do with your your routine your approach up at the plate can you can you put up together a plan that you know can go out there and, and execute it um against you know a Kershaw against a Max Scherzer against you know the the top of the line guys every day um that's that's what I'm working on and 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 that's you know honestly what it, i be honest i'm struggling with um you know it's just finding my mechanics uh with my swing with my path and just being more consistent um uh, every day because like i said it's a, it's 162 games um it's every day it gets it gets monotonous um but you know the good ones can can like you said keep it fun um day in and day out and and, and work through that when you talk when you start talking about the word mechanics in sports and i People probably get tired of hearing me on this podcast talk about my opinion on athletes, worldwide athletes. And hands down, 100%, there's not even an argument in my book, and I'm not trying to sound ignorant, Austin Riley. I'm just stating an opinion. Baseball players are 100% the best athletes on earth. And I truly believe this. I've talked to several major leaguers about it. I've talked to several people in my industry that of why I feel that way, of – 
when you start talking about mechanics and what it takes to hit a baseball, um, are you getting, are you getting your, your, you know, your momentum and your weight shifted back? What is your weight distribution? Like what's your balance? Like what's your hips? Like what's your backside turn? Like, are you getting out on your front foot? Are you, are you losing your balance and you're out on your front foot and you're just, you're, you're hitting the ball when it's not even in the hitting zone yet. You're not letting the ball get deep enough. Are you recognizing the pitches? Is it a fastball? Is it a two seam? Is it a four seam? Is it a slider? Do you, are you seeing the dot on the slider? Is it a curveball? Is it a freaking changeup? If DeGrom goes from 101 with a fastball with the same arm action, he hits you with an 84 mile an hour change up and you're freaking swinging you know like it's a fastball because his arm action is the exact same i'm trying to paint a picture in people's head of like how many things can go wrong just with the swing part of it that's not even the mental part of it that's not the taking it out on defense and trying to to, to stop a ground ball going 200 miles an hour off a of freaking you know somebody's bat that's coming out at you at third base baseball players have this ability to have the mechanics to be able to do all these sports. You can throw a football. You can run a pattern and catch a football. You can jump in a pool and swim laps like you're on the Olympic team, maybe not as fast. You could play ping pong with your eye-hand coordination. You could probably go to a bowling alley and bowl 200. Mookie Betts bowled a 300. You could probably go on a basketball court and dribble like you've been on a team before and then shoot a jumper or a layup or probably dunk with your height. My point is, is that it, football players can't come off of the gridiron very easily and do what baseball players do on a baseball field or any of those other, the ping pong and all that stuff. I know that that sounds really judgmental, but baseball players have a unique skill set that gives them that ability to go kick a soccer ball and dribble it down a field and then kick it into a goal. But if you take a soccer player and put them on the ping pong table or put them on a gridiron trying to catch a football from, from Breeze or somebody or put them in the batting cages and try to hit a baseball, I don't think it's going to be the same. So that could be a little bit of judgmental there, Austin. But I honestly think that the mechanics of baseball are the hardest freaking thing to do in sports. Now, boxing, you got to be in unreal shape and you got to be able to punch for three minutes while you're getting punched. It's hard as hell. But you could probably go in and hold your hands up and look like you know how to throw a jab and a cross and a hook and an uppercut and all of that and stay in good enough shape to get through a three-minute round. But you would get knocked the you-know-what out by Mike Tyson. But Mike Tyson couldn't come on the baseball field and do any of the stuff that you do. I really mean that. Now, somebody might call me out on that, and you might argue. Do you understand what I'm saying, though, of all the different mechanics it takes to be successful at baseball? No, I I, I totally agree with you. I think it's just the, the attention to the detail of – everything that goes into the game you know it's 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 never ending especially now with analytics that that go on i mean we're getting you know so let me walk you through like a day of of what we do like to get ready for a game you know we're we get in you know you you get in you change at two o'clock um and you know you you go in and you roll out you get ready you kind of get your body warmed up and then you go to the cage and, and you know you're working on I have like six different drills that I do every day to get every mechanic right. So I can go out there and, and perform. Um, and, and then, you know, after that, I go out there and I do my ground ball work with wash and, and he has all these different drills that we're doing to get ready. And then, you know, you go through BP and you have your different rounds where it's hit and run, get them over, you know, infield back, you're going through the situations that you go through in the game. And then, you know, you come in and then you got your scouting report that you have on the pitcher, which, you know, most of the time I look at the night before. And then um, after that game, and then you go in and, and you're figuring out the, you know, you, it breaks down from, 
you know, what he's throwing 0 0 1 0 2 0 3 1 3 2. What is his percentages with runners on base? What is he doing? Um, you know, early in the game, late in the game, is he, you know, doubling up on his changeup, tripling up on his curveball? Um, you know, and, and then after that, you know, then you're trying to mentally prepare yourself, you know, to, to not then once you get into the game, you can't be mentally, you know, you, once you get into the game, you can't worry about mechanics. You just got to go out there and do it or you're, you know, you're domed up. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you're over 20 and you're in a slump and, and now things just get, you know, even more mechanical um, because you're trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, so, so going back to your point, I think, and people may argue, you know, on that point, but I think the attention to detail in the game of baseball is, is highly, you know, underrated or kind of overlooked um because like you said if if i'm you know in the cage and you know my i go in and and my swing isn't right and my load isn't right where i'm landing my center of gravity isn't right um that that determines the difference when i get out of the game if i can stay back on a curveball if not if my load is like you said if i'm more on my front foot i'm basically guessing to one spot to one pitch and that's all I have. And if that if that's the case, then then you know these guys now. Um, like I, I do, I do totally agree. Um, it's a it's a big argument, you know. I think around the world of of what game is is the hardest. Um, but I, like I said, being a baseball player, I, I'm definitely going with you know the the game of baseball is is definitely one of the, if not the toughest things to to do and and hit a baseball. You're hitting a baseball, a round ball with a round bat you know, hundred miles an hour on it's, different planes that can move <laughs> yeah, it's, from it's 60 tough. feet away that you have very minimal time to react and then get your hands started, get the knob of the bat, the head of the bat through the hitting zone, stay inside the baseball. And then you have to, uh, and then you have to be able to take that, what you do out on the, at the plate out onto the field. And if you hit, if you're 300, you're a stud, right? You're an all-star. If you're three and seven as a boxer, you're getting laughed at. Right. Okay. If you're three and seven in swim meets, you're getting laughed at. You're not one of the, t you're not a good swimmer. You're right. not considered a good swimmer. You just, or you're not a good competitor. You're not a good test taker. You're not, you don't write or, you know, rise to the, the, the competition and, and get ready for those big tests and those big meets and those big challenges as a baseball player, man, I'm telling you, I've just watched it so much of, of just one little thing can be off. One little thing just in your swing, if your hands aren't back, if they're not in the right position, if your wrists aren't locked into a power position, there's a lot of baseball terminology out there. Obviously, you're learning at a lot different level than I ever did, but you're not even we're not even taking into consideration what that pitcher has been working on in the offseason and spring training and what Kershaw's doing to get Austin out like they know your weaknesses probably before you do you know they can pinpoint a lot of that and they know like you know what they're going to throw you know that he's got this curveball you know that he's going to throw consistently in the mid 90s well he also has a scouting report on you what do right, you do with exactly. the inside pitch can you can you hit the outside pitch can you hit the high pitch they have ways of getting you out consistently and there's a oh, yeah. lot of ways to get out in baseball strike out pop out ground out, line out, fly out. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can become a, you know, a victim of a pitcher. 
And <clears throat> there's really only one way that you can beat a pitcher, and that's putting the sweet part of the bat on the ball in the right part of the hitting zone. And that is so freaking difficult, in my sometimes opinion. Sometimes you man. get out even if you do that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and sometimes you just you just can't even win there. When you're in a slump, it's hard to even get out when you do that. Yeah. Or, I mean, no get doubt. you know, get out of the slump. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I don't know. I think it's a, I, I I talked to Jed Jorko. You know Jed at all on the Brewers? <clears throat> I've heard I've, I've heard the name, but I don't I don't know him. Great dude, Hunter Deer Hunter. Um, just a great guy. We have a huge competitive smack talking deal going right now with with grilling. Who can grill better? He thinks he's. I mean, he's really good at cornhole. He does these uh these trick cornhole shots in his basement on his cornhole boards, and then so we're we're competing with him on that. So, but I had the same discussion with him about just if you took a, a bunch of athletic events of baseball and football and basketball and swimming and ping pong and bowling and tennis and 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 all and and all of the different sports there are and you took the top player off of every major league team every nfl team every nba team every top swimmer and you put them in this like olympic style deal where they had to go through and and do the swimming and do catch the football and throw the football and dribble the basketball and shoot the basketball and hit the baseball and field the baseball a pop fly a ground ball you had to use a ping pong paddle and rally, you know, volley back and forth. You had to go play volleyball and be able to to spike and set and do all and bump and do all the things they do. I think baseball players are going to come out victorious as winning most of those athletic events because of the mechanics it takes to be successful. Now, I know I would get, you know, a lot of feedback on that as far as like you're crazy. It's so much harder to be a football player because you're getting tackled and you're running fast. It, I'm not taking anything away from that. I no. couldn't go onto the football field and 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 take a handoff like Bo Jackson or Christian Akoya did and hit the gap and then have Howie Long or 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 worse than that, Ronnie Lott fill the hole and just rip my head off. I couldn't do that consistently. No, no. But I no could go doubt. out there and I could go out there and have the right mechanics to take the ball stutter step jab step get into the hole try to beat somebody to the outside and get it down the line i could have the ability to fill that gap and make that tackle not as good as a football player i'm just saying that if we went into that event and i had to go hit a bag or catch a football i could do that better than i think most football players could come in and hit a baseball now i'm not trying to make that personal about me i'm just saying baseball players in general yeah i I totally agree i like you said i Football players are totally different animals. Those guys are freaks. They're they got a gift to to be able to to be that athletic to and strong to just you know take a beating every day. But like you said, I, I think the attention to detail of of how much mechanics go on into baseball that I, I do agree with you that that you know baseball players would be able to to adjust you know to the, you know, to the football, to the basketball, to, to, you know, to whatever it was, just because like you said, we're, we're constantly adjusting pitch by pitch in a game. You know, like I said, if it's so much of a feel thing, like, you know, like, you know, I'm facing, you know, Max Scherzer and, and, you know, he's busting me in with a, with a, you know, first pitch fastball inside, you know, then I'm thinking, you know, what, what's his next pitch? Do I need to, you know, change my approach to look out over the plate? Do I need to, you know, you're always changing you know, pitch to pitch, you know, in in a game of baseball. Yeah. I think that it would just take one time somebody standing in hitting a ball at at the local batting cage is coming, you know, 55, 60 miles an hour with the big, you know, the big yellow balls with the dimples in them doing that as opposed to going to a batting machine that's throwing at 85 has a little bit of movement on it, throwing real baseballs. Now you take that to a, a level of a pitcher that, it can dictate what he's going to do with the ball. I can't 
it's almost impossible, almost impossible to hit a fastball with a round bat at 60 feet, six inches. That's, and I'm not saying that scientifically it's, it's, I'm just saying that it's almost impossible when you stand in there and you see how, how hard it is to react to that and how little minuscule time you have. That's when you get the clear picture of what you guys are doing on an everyday basis that holy smokes, man. When you're doing it in farm and little league, it's not this, you know, it's, it's, it's coming out. You got a lot more time to react high school. You got a lot more time to react now, as you move up and you become more mature in your baseball career and the pitchers do too, it gets harder and harder and harder. That's why there's so many less major leaguers than there are high school baseball players, right? It's in the proof is in the pudding. Like it's very hard to make any pro sport. I don't want to take anything away from any pro athlete. They're all badasses. They're all stud athletes. They all deserve to make, making the living they are. I'm just simply saying baseball players have this unique skill set that when you said the word mechanics, I, I think about how much, how many head games I would play with myself, how superstitious I was of the pine tar or biting my sleeve like Matt Williams did back when he played for the Giants or how, what, how many times I had to tug on my stirrups or how many times I had to tug on my wristbands and, and I had to have my wristbands faced in the right position. It was crazy the mind games you start playing on yourself when you do something right. You're like, all right, I got to mimic that. I got to emulate that every time. And then you go up there the next five at-bats and you just look like a fool. And, and now you got to figure out what am I going to do tomorrow? How do I come back out tomorrow after I just failed that many times? I just went 0 for 4 with 2Ks, a pop-up. How am I going to come back from this? You got to do that 162 times a year, which is almost a full year. That's more than half a year. You know, I mean, a little bit less than half a year, but you got to do that a lot in baseball. The season is long. You're going to fail a lot. Now, how do you come back from that failure? Here's where mom and dad and coming up in life and your coaching and your friends and your wife and, and everything. That, this is where all of they, they come in. Your upbringing comes in. Do you have the mental stability to get through this? Because it's not easy. Right. No, I, I totally agree. Like you said, it's, you know, it's constant a game of adjustments. You know, you're always, you know, switching this, switching that, you know, one day, I swear to you, it's like you go three for four. You know, like I said, when I came up last year, I was I was red hot making my debut. You know, I was off. I was like, oh, yeah, this game is – I got this in the bag. You know, I, I, I'm going to be here for a, a long time. And then, you know, two weeks later, you know, I hit a slump like no other. I'm like, golly, I'm going to have to go put my application in at Walmart because I'm going to be working at Walmart tomorrow because, like, it's just – like you think you figure it out, and then, you know, the next day it, it just knocks you right in the teeth. Um and as I said, I think the 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 good ones that you know could play the Mike Trouts, the the Barry Bonds, the the ones that you know day in and day out are so good. Is just I think their mental game is so strong, and 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 they're such in a good place that that you know, like I I call it a roller coaster. The the, the roller coaster. If you can keep it as as level as you can, the you know mentally, don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, that that's the the best approach of of, you know, going about it and, and, you know, staying, you know, and ultimately staying consistent. And that's what, you know, what you want as a, as a big leaguer. Consistency is everything. No doubt. Have you been sent down since you got called up? I was on a rehab ass assignment last year. I hurt, I hurt my knee. Um, that, that was the, the, the only time that I, I was, I was, you know, back in, in Gwinnett since being called up. Um, but I, if I, didn't hurt my knee. I felt like I would have been sit down just because, um, 
like I said, I, I was struggling at the end of last year, just just figuring out being, you know, mechanically sound. Um, but I technically have, have not been optioned yet. Wow. That's cool. That shows that even when you are going through some of the, the slumps that you've gone through at the big league level, that you have the tools that the Braves organization is looking for. Do you sit around and think about with your, with, you know, kind of some of your associations that I know you through when you think about somebody like Chipper and what he did in that uniform as a switch hitter, as a third baseman, um, same position you play a lot. Um, what does that mean? What is how, what does that do to you? Like, look at what Chipper did, like first ballot hall of famer, absolute stud his entire career never got traded never played for another organization came up in the braves organization and just tore it up world series titles had some of the best pitchers in the in the history of the game on his team with maddox and smoltz and and all of the guys and uh, glavin and those guys do you th- do you emulate chipper do you do you get to hang out with chipper does he come to spring training have you have you had a personal batting lesson from chipper are you friends with him or, or or who were your heroes growing up being in that part of the country um was he one of them and now you're sitting there going oh my god i'm in a braves uniform i love to hunt like chipper chipper's got his own t- deer hunting show i'm getting ready to embark on some filming and stuff we're going to get into that with road trips but what what does he mean to you and what does he mean to that Braves organization? You know, first of all, he means the the world to, to the Braves organization. I mean, he's, you know, you couldn't draw up a better guy for, for the Braves to, to, you know, for him to, to have his career there. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got to talk to with him uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, he, he mainly comes around during spring training um, for, for, you know, a length of time. He'll stay there a week or so. Uh, you know, but the biggest thing, you know, he talks to me is the mental side, you know, back to what we were talking about, just trying to figure out what pitchers are trying to do um, just to try to get that mental edge of, you know, going out there every day and, and playing, um, you know, along with, you know, we, we shared deer pictures. He shows me some of his, you know, his pictures that he's killed over the off season. And, and, and that's what we, you know, mainly we talk about is hunting, uh, just, you know, just, you know, shooting the, the crap or whatever it is, just, you know, like I said, you know, just talking hunting. Um, but you know, he's been a just being able to talk to somebody, you know, like a caliber guy like he is, you know, in the baseball world, you know, even if it was a conversation of just, hey man, nice to meet you, big fan of you, even if it was just something like that, you you know, you hold on to that. But you know, just being able to have the privilege to talk to him a little bit more in depth about the game of baseball. It, it, it was, it was awesome. Um, great guy. Um, it, it was, you know, you, it's tough to, tough to explain, tough to put in, you know, a picture of, of what it means to, to grow up watching him play and now being able to talk to him about the game of baseball. You, you know, as a kid, you never dream about it. Yeah. And if you think about what, the management did and the, and, and the organization did in the nineties. And, and the, I mean, they built a, an amazing run, right? They, they had a, a, if you go back and watch some of the things that they did with the NL pennants and the, the world series and what Bobby Cox did and, and what the management did, um, uh, 
I don't know if there was a better team at that time. You know, they were just they were the they were the team of the '90s, is what they're called a lot. Do you do you do you go back and watch that stuff? Do you you were born in the '90s, so you probably don't. You didn't even get to watch it take place in real life. But as a player, do they have you go back and watch what what the the magic was like, the aura was like, the attitude was like of that time? They don't make us go back and watch it. It's just there's pictures and, and they got, you know, they'll do a flashback video every now and then, but just, you know, just seeing the, like you said, the Glavins, the, the chippers, the, you know, the Murphy, the, you know, just, they come around all the time and, and, and just to, to see their presence in the clubhouse and, you know, what they, you know, they mean to the organization and what the organization means to them. I think that's cool. And, and I think they had like what, 14, Years in a row, fourteen years in a row. I think that, that's what it was, and that, like you said, that doesn't happen ever. And, and yeah, Sherholtz sure did it with the Royals, and then went to the Braves and did it, and just like built an empire again after right. he won the World Series with the Royals. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It's you know, I don't even know. I mean, just to to be a part of an organization like that, you know, I wouldn't want to be with anybody else. I mean, this is like I said, it's it. I couldn't have drawn a better better card to be with you know an organization like. So this. when you see somebody like Chipper Austin Riley, you're a competitor. You love to win. If you didn't, you wouldn't be where you're at. I'm not saying that winning isn't the only thing, or everything, and oh, the only thing, and how the sayings go. But it's a big part of the game. When you win, you get paid. You get longevity. You get bigger contracts. You get you get the seats full. You get merchandise bought. You get more beers bought. The parking spots are full. The organization is making a ton of money. If you're not winning, you might have a, lo- a very loyal fan base that's still doing that, but that's few and far between. You have to win this year. Let's just this. That's totally different. This year's not even like in the radar on that. But when you see somebody like Chipper personally, or somebody that you looked up to as a guy was, whether it was Jeter or whoever your, your guys were that you watched me, it was George Brett. It was Bo Jackson. It was Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Mike Schmidt. You know, I'm, I'm older than you. I, I, I grew up in the eighties. So I was watching a different or, you know, a different, obviously era baseball than you are right now. But do you just want a career? Are you happy? Just, do you think about, man, what if I do become an HOFer? What if I do become the franchise player, the team guy? What do I, what am I going to do if I get a big extension in a, in a big contract? I'm not trying to make you like think about money, but are you that competitive where when you see a career like Chipper Jones laid down, because he came out the same way you did, stand out in American baseball, freaking went to all the clubs, baseball America's number one ranked player in the country, switch hitter. But he, when he first started, he didn't know that he was going to have that career. When you see a career like that, are you, are you building towards that? Are you dreaming of that? Or are you one of those guys that's just, hey, I'm fine right here, make, you know, do it, making the money I am. I would just want to stay here. Or are you trying to reach for the stars and become a Hall of Famer and become one of the best players in the history of the game? You know, I think if you ask any baseball player, they want to be a Hall of Famer. They want to win. You know, obviously, you know, I want to win a World Series. That's the, that's the ultimate goal is when, you know, I want a couple rings on my finger. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that – from that standpoint, you know, I don't – in order to stay in this game, you can't ever be content with with where, with where you're at. You know, you always got to try to find that edge, try to, you know, get better and better. So, I mean, I think it's just grained in me that 
you know, I don't ever, like I said, if you're not, if you're not getting better, you're going, you're going backwards in my, in my opinion. Um, you know, every day, if, if you're not doing something to, to make yourself better, you know, on the baseball field, you're, you're going, you're going backwards. And, and you know, sometimes it takes, you know, people longer to, to figure it out than others. Everyone's different. Um, some people are just clicks like on that. Some guys, you know, for me, you know, playing with Josh Donaldson last year to, you know, to see where he is now and see where he started. I mean, he got sent down three or four different times and, you know, probably didn't know what, what was at stake for him in his baseball career, not knowing what, you know, tomorrow was, you know, whether he was going to, you know, be sent down or, or something like that to, you know, to see where different guys come from uh, and, and the struggles and that they went through. And, and now that they're, you know, exceeding, um, that's that's the kind of way I that's the way I look at it is is you know you just can't ever be satisfied um, and, and ultimately wanting to to win a World Series and and, and you know and, and get that big contract everybody wants the big contract um, that's that's my goal um, and, and eventually you know down the road that's having me about a couple thousand acres on the Mississippi River where I can hunt whitetails and 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 shoot ducks is is the dream. <laughs> Ooh, I like that part. And how many kids? Uh, a couple. Really? Not five or six? No, probably. I'm like in the two or three range. Are you looking at your wife while you're recording this right now? <laughs> yeah, she's in here. <laughs> <laughs> he he wants more than that. What's her name, Anna? Yeah. She want, He wants more than that, Miss Anna. I promise you that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I think that that's just a, a big part of of the, the, the psyche of baseball is what you're compared to. What are you trying to be? You know, there's there's country singers out there that blow up and have a Garth Brooks type career or like an Al Dean that can go and sell out the baseball stadium that you play every day in. Chris Stapleton sold, sells out arenas now. But then there's also country singers that just sell out theaters here and there and they have a nice career and they make a good stable living and that can happen in athletics too. But competitiveness, man. Country music is an art. Playing baseball can be considered an art, but the competition part of it, you know, you can be competitive in country music, but you can only be judged by your peers like to win a CMA award or whatever. In baseball, if you don't hit the ball three out of 10 times on the nails and and have a career like that, you're not going to have a long career or get paid a lot of money. You could become a, a player that, 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 that stays pretty even and, and, and pretty, you know, just balanced throughout his career. But to be a standout, it takes something different, man. You got to have, like you say, Donaldson, that dude turned into a machine when he was in Toronto and wins the the MVP. Did they win the world? Did they win the world championship? No, they, they, they did not. But he won the MVP. Right and, I, right. and now all of a sudden you got this like mystique of who in the heck is Josh Donaldson with his his bandana tied around his head and his mullet hanging, you know, like his little half mullet hanging out and just throwing rockets and peas across the field to get people out making awesome plays in the infield and then doing what he did at the plate. Like he became a stud. And that shows you that you have to have something different to pull yourself up out of this deal because you are going to fail so much. And that's a big time thing in life, man, whether it's relationships whether it's jobs and job security and the entrepreneurial spirit, running a business, becoming an employee, raising a family, having friendships, balancing all of these, having all of these balls in the air and being able to juggle them. Now you go back to what a baseball player has to do on the field. I'm not trying to make it drama. It's not drama. It's fun. But it can only be fun if you're not over 30. When you're over 30, 
when you're over 30 and you're breaking bats and getting sawed off and striking out, it ain't fun. I don't care what any baseball player tells me. That's not fun, right? Not at all. You're not going to treat, you might treat Miss Anna the same way that you do. You're balanced there and you might not take your game home with you, but you are not treating yourself the same. When you're, when you're going four for five and you're going over for five, you're not treating yourself the same. You're beating yourself up. It's natural. Right. It's, right. It's natural in life. You got to figure out how to do that. How do you get through the ups and downs? How do you go from being 18 to now you're 23, 24, and you might fail a bunch of times on the baseball field, but how do you attribute that to life? Austin Riley and say, all right, there's going to be ups and downs in everything that we do. There's going to be times where you and Anna might face adversity that you're going to have to freaking pick each other up and come out of it. This is the importance of athletics and competitiveness and being in an organization like you are right now and what the life lessons you are learning because you're learning how to live because you're learning how to deal with adversity. It's up to you how you take it to the next level and the next steps of your career. Are you going to become an all-star? Are you going to become a standout, a a hall of fame, or are you going to become somebody that gets to buy that huge ranch or that huge farm down in the Mississippi Delta around Greensville and gets big whitetails coming out on his stands and mallard ducks and his flooded corn or his flooded beans or off of the Mississippi river, whatever you're trying to achieve in life. You got to set goals. You got to stay. You got to stay the course. There's going to be these holes that you're going to fall into. And how do you pick yourself up out of those? I think baseball teaches us so much about who we are as a person. And you mentioned how Donaldson, you know, persevered and came out of that when he easily could have quit. There's been guys that go down to the minors four times and just say, man, I can't ride this bus anymore. I can't be here anymore. I'm not going to go to, you know, play in front of this small town crowd anymore. That once you get that taste of the major leagues, I think that you're learning a lot of life lessons that, that every kid, whether they make it to the show or not needs to understand that baseball is teaching you way more than you think at the time that you're playing it. And when it's gone, you miss it so bad. When I, when I walk into a yard or I, I turn on the, uh, the, the TV, which I haven't been self-admittingly much this season. I'm not really jiving with what's going on with the baseball season right now, but man, it's just um, unbelievable to be a baseball player. And when it's gone, you miss it so much. So what you're doing, you got to take advantage of that. And I think you got a good head on your shoulders to get there. But even when you're done playing, man, life is going to keep throwing curveballs and sliders and fastballs at you. And you're going to have to react. You're going to have to balance. You're going to have to juggle. You're going to have to be like, oh my gosh, do I invest this? Do I do this? What about, what about my family? What, what about their security? What am I going to do? Am I going to take this vacation or buy this refrigerator? Uh, that's all what baseball's teaching you to do right now. Right. It's a game of adjustments. Same with life. It's, you know, you're always, you're always adjusting day to day. And, and I've learned more, you know, you know, in baseball than I ever did in high school, or I think I ever would have in college um, is, you know, just the, the life lessons of, you know, paying bills, write a check, um, you know, making sure, you know, you're, you're on places on time. Um, just, you know, the little things that, you know, you never even thought about, you know, when you were, you know, in high school or, or college, it just, it, it definitely, you know, changes you for, for the better. Um, and, and, you know, baseball has, has brought me, you know, a lot of great friendships, memories, um, you know, and, and I, in my short career of, of, of baseball and, and hopefully, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot longer than it is, you know, you know, as of right now. Um, but I, I'm so thankful for, for the game of baseball and, and I, you know, wouldn't have changed it any, any other way. No. And I think that you have a great head on your shoulders. And I think that you look at life and baseball the right way of staying, 
staying grounded. And I guarantee you that your mom and dad aren't going to let you ever not be rooted or grounded. It's just, I could tell by talking to you that your dad would say, look, son, sit down. We're going to have a little bit of a talk right here. He's not going to let you get, he's not going to let you get out of your shoes. Is he? No, no, he's not. He was, you know, growing up, um, you know, with all the, the success that I had in high school and, and, and summer ball and stuff, he rarely told me, you know, good job, you know, that a boy just, you know, gave me that, that big head. He was always, you know, let, let's get better. Let's get better. He calls me every day and asks if I've done my forearm workouts every single day. <laughs> hey, did you do your forearm workouts today? Have you stretched? Have you, you know, just the, the little things that, that, you know, has gone into it. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool to, to see him, uh, you know, you know, like I said, he, he keeps me, keeps me humble. Mom, mom's my, my, my biggest critiquer. Uh, she'll call me, um, if I owe for three game with three strikeouts, well, you not a very good one today. You know, that, that one sucked. Um, you know, they do, they keep me humble. And, and like I said, the, the game, you can be, the game can be taken from you, you know, tomorrow, uh, with an injury. Like, you know, you kind of, you saw, I hate to see it. Mike Soroka last night with the Achilles tendon, um, that he's the, hardest worker so particular about his work ethics and stuff you know you just you hate to see that from a guy like that i i i can't imagine of you know injury is a big part of it and the people look at again going back to all the other sports there's so many injuries in baseball and things that can go wrong to put you on the 15 or the 30 day or the you know out for a season um you know whether it's an achilles or a tendon or a throwing injury or whatever but Take me back real quick before we transition. We'll, we, I know you got. I know you're busy, and you got. Uh, who do y'all play tonight? We have the the Blue Jays tonight. Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. So, American National League game. Yep. American so, League East against the NL East. Who's yeah. on the bump for them? Oh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. <laughs> so you're about to pull out of the draft, but you go in the first round of the draft. Did you know before the phone rang that you were going in the first round? Did your agent already call you and say, hey, the Braves, are they, they're saying you're going in the first round? Or are you sitting in the living room with mom and dad? You got some sweet tea there. Is Anna sitting there with you? Or you got a bunch of your buddies around? You got your dog sitting there. I'm painting this picture. You probably got maybe a, maybe some jeans on with some cowboy boots, or it might be summertime because it's June, so your flip-flops and shorts with a tank top on showing off your pipe, sun's out, gun's out kind of attitude. Are you fired up and excited for this day? Where are you at? Paint the picture because this phone call is getting ready to change Austin Riley's life. Yeah, so Anna actually told her, I was like, you want you want to come over? This was like when we, we were super fresh. Um, I was like, yeah, we're, we're having like a little get together. I, I don't even think I told her it was a, I was getting drafted. Uh, I was just like, it's a draft party. You know, we're coming over. She had no really clue. Oh, wow. You uh, talk about the ultimate way to get a chick to, to be like, wow, man, no way. That's really, wow. Way to set it up, Austin. I set it up perfect, didn't I? <laughs> uh, but no, we were, I had probably 20 people over. Um, like I said, I, I knew I was getting taken, um, you know, later in the, the first round. Um, they, they had three picks that year. Uh, I didn't know if it was going to be the second or the third. It ended up being the third one. Um, but it was, a cause like the draft, they, it was, like I said, it was 41st from the first to the 41st. It felt like Eternity. 10 years. Yeah. So it took, it felt like it took forever. Uh, we ended up me Anna and a, a buddy of mine and, and his girlfriend ended up sneaking out, going to get some ice cream just cause it took forever and ended up coming back and was back on time for, for, you know, for the, for the call. But, uh, 
once I got the call, it was, it was hectic. Um, I don't even remember who I talked to that called me from the Braves. I know two people called me. They were like, how quick can you be out here? Um, I was like, I, I don't know. Let me call my agent. I ended up calling my agent. Um, I think I was out draft day. A week later, I was, I was in Florida, you know, starting my professional career. God dang it, man. So it was, it was nuts. So what is, what is this mom jump up and give you a high five or does her and dad just sit there and just be like, well, son, you better make sure that you pack your underwear. You know, you're, is, are they, yeah, are they, they, they were excited. You know, like I said, mom and dad have, have done so much for me. I wouldn't be here if, if it weren't for them, you know, mom driving all the, the long hours, you know, on the road trip, uh, you know, dad all the time in the, in the cage and stuff. So it was, it was a big moment for them to, uh, you know, we just gave, gave them a big hug, you know, told them I love them. Thanks for everything. Uh, you know, it, it meant the world to, to them, you know, as, as much as it, it meant to me. How did it feel that first time that you told the, the, the sports media person or the head of the Braves that handles comps when you said, Hey, I need two tickets for tonight's game. And you put mom and dad's name down on that list and Anna's name, and you know, they're coming to your first big league game. Was that feeling unbelievable to be, you know, to go to the SID and the sports information director, whatever they call What's the name of that guy in the major leagues? The we team call secretary? secretary, travel secretary. secretary. Yeah, so you go to the travel secretary. How did that make you feel when this happens for the first time? <laughs> they actually have a, everything, you know, is on technology. So they had a computer there. So I just went in and, and typed it. I had like 40 people there. Tyler and them was Tyler Jordan and them were there <laughs> too. Uh, so it, it was cool, you know, to actually, you know, hit my, my first hit was a home run, my second at bat. And they kept showing it throughout the season, but I hit it. I was around, you know, second. And I think they put the camera on dad on live screen and he like spilt his beer, like ended up throwing it like <laughs> all the way across the concourse. It was, it was, it was sick. How awesome is that, man? I hope that your dad or mom or somebody's got that recorded or did the Braves send you that tape or. Yeah, we, it's, it's all over media. So we, we have it. Uh, it's back, you know, they got it. Um, you got it on your yeah. phone. Yeah. Yeah. Will you text but, it to me when we get off? Yeah, yeah, I will for sure. Yeah, I want to use that. That's freaking awesome. So yeah, you mentioned Tyler again. How cool of a guy is Tyler Jordan? He's awesome. Uh, you know, he's a he's a huge Braves fan. That's how that's how we met. Um, you know, being able to go, you know, hunt, you know, a few hunts with him, you know, and you know, the time that we've known each other. Such a super down to earth guy. Um, you know, unfortunately he's an old Miss fan. I'm a Mississippi State guy, so we, we don't <laughs> let that interfere with our friendship uh too much. But uh no, he's he's awesome. Um, you know, I can't say you know enough good things about him. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to to get to know him, and and looking forward to you know this, this hunting season. You know, we got. I know I'm going to Nebraska uh, for sure. We talked about Texas. Um, not sure if that's a that's a lock yet, but uh, we got some we got some trips planned up this year. Well, I've been talking to him. You two are going to come out to California with me to do a little. Uh, well, let's tell everybody this is. You guys are going to take road trips digital. You're ta- it's going to go. Um, Michael and those guys are going to concentrate on Bone Collector. You're going to be a co-host with Tyler of Real Tree Road Trips. Now, is this right? Right, correct. Aren't you going to get nervous on camera? You've never been on camera before. No, I've I've had a little experience. I two years ago I went to their place and that was my first time on camera and I was. Pretty sure I was very awkward. Just didn't know what to. What Aren't to you say. interviewed by news guys all the time? 
Yeah, but you know, you kind of get in a routine of kind of the questions they ask you. Like it's pretty pretty similar. You kind of got in your head of what you're going to say. But when they when you're in the deer stand and he turns the camera on, you're like, "I right, give us an update." I'm just like, uh, uh, the yeah. curveball was. I mean, uh, the arrow was. I couldn't get <laughs> yeah. it knocked. I mean, the deer walked in. I all those weird noises that deer hunters yeah. make. Yeah, yeah, the Jordans. Yeah. I've been I've been with Realtree since 2000 or 2001, and. Man, you talk about a revolutionary company that just doesn't like Bill doesn't stop, and now, you know they're getting they're getting ready to to introduce another new pattern to the market. And you know, I was down in there in Georgia at the Edge event in 2017 when what you know Edge is an amazing pattern for deer the deer woods, and then timber is an amazing pattern for for everything. I wear it all the time. I I think it's amazing. But yeah, Tyler's just really down to earth. And you talk about somebody that grew up in the thick of it, man. Like that dude was like five years old. He was in, on Real Tree Outdoors. He was on Monster Bucks. He was he was on commercials for Real Tree when he was in high school, and they emulated you know him and his buddies John of you know mi- missing the. Uh, you know, being late for school because they were in the turkey woods or the deer woods. Like right. Tyler's lived that life. He's been around celebrities his whole life. He's been around the Earnhardts. He's been around the chippers. He's been around all the country music stars and the baseball stars and the military and everything that real tree means to the outdoors. And he's so humble and just so gracious and always, you know, just down to earth. That's, and that's the way that, 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 that's all about the upbringing. That's all about the way people are raised. You know what I mean? Right. No, I totally agree. Like I said, it, it could have been very easy for him to, to get that big head and, and been arrogant, just kind of, you know, I'm Tyler Gurdon kind of thing. But no, he's, he's the complete opposite. We'll do anything for you. Um, our trip to Nass or Nebraska last year, we ended up driving through the night um, to get back. Cause I had to be at a, I think a tailgate uh, for Saturday on the football game. So like, I mean, he does, he'll do anything, you know, for you um and i that, like you said it goes to show what 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 bill has done um uh, you know with him and for the company you know i was because i drove back from uh the second trip from nebraska last year i drove back uh because i had two deer uh in the back i didn't want them to get messed up on, on the plane so i drove um and it, and bill facetime or not face i think it, yeah facetime me the day after just made sure i got home um, and for him to do that, that, that was, that was kind of cool and, and meant a lot and just shows what real trees about. Um, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's family, friends and that great outdoors and, and families first and friends and, and, and they, they do it the right way. They really do. They really truly do. Do you, do you get more fired up when that buck walks under your stand and you got to snort wheeze and, and bleed him and grunt and all the stuff that y'all do? So much prettier to be a duck caller or a goose caller. You know what I mean, Austin Riley? Tell Tyler <laughs> I said that. But right, do, you, do you still, do you get, man, when I had whitetail walk underneath me, I almost fell out of a tree stand. Thank God for harnesses. But, and everybody should be wearing their harness no matter how experienced you are in the woods. That's a PSA, public service announcement from Austin Riley. You agree, right, Austin? Always, always hook in, right? Always. always. Lifeline, you know, nowadays with lifelines, you, you should never be, detached from from the tree never ned yost baseball manager was just working on his tree stands you know before he retired from the royals and almost yeah. lost his life because of falling down of a tree not being even when you're doing preseason work you need to be harnessed in but when that deer walks out is it the same feeling as being at chavez ravine at dodger stadium facing Sher- kershaw on a friday night with the the la sunset 
and you got that walk out from the on deck circle to the box and you're digging in with your spikes is that the same feeling when that when that 160 or that 145 walks out and you got to get your composure and get your breathing down and get your equilibrium right and get it drawn back and make sure the cameraman's on it and there's not enough camera light don't shoot yet and you just want to turn around and punch the camera guy because you're like no man i want to kill this dude is it the same feeling of just that anticipation part and that adrenaline rush it's pretty it's pretty dang close i mean uh you know just the adrenaline especially the first at bat you know you get up there and, and sometimes i get i get i get the shakes you know having to calm myself down in the box just to you know that just like you said the adrenaline rush just you know you can't control it you know it's it's pretty similar to uh you know to, to being up you know 15 20 feet up in a tree stand you know with a with a big old buck you know 10 15 yards from oh you. there's no doubt so are you uh do you live off the land Austin Riley, are you a are you a true outdoorsman? Can you bring that deer home and 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 butcher it, process it? Can you slice it up and can you make Anna go, "Wow, was that the best beef steak I've ever tasted?" And you look at her and go, "No, that was venison." Did she grow up on wild game? Does she eat frog legs? Being from Mississippi, do y'all eat coon? Do you guys eat roadkill? Are you guys the, that? I mean, what are you eating? Are you eating all the wild game you kill? What do you got there? I am. She's not. She's not. She does what? not like the. She does not like the deer, the duck. Um, I've I've mixed it in <clears throat> once or twice, and she's kind of caught caught hen on it. Um, that means you're my, not I cooking mean, it right, Austin. No, no, I need to step up my game. Um, but no, I, I love deer deer roll ups, duck gumbo. My my grandmother makes some of the best duck gumbo ever. Oh, I love duck um, gumbo. So I, I I definitely enjoy. You know we. My brother-in-law, he we uh, we do deer jerky every year, so um, we're we're definitely living off the land. I told your, Anna, I said, I told Anna, I said, we're gonna be all right in this quarantine. I said, I can go kill us a deer if I absolutely need to. And she's like, I'll starve to death before I eat that deer. Right, for sure. I could just hear it. Does she does she talk with that draw like that? Oh, I'll yeah. starve I'll starve to death if you make me try <laughs> to eat that deer. I could just hear her going. You're giving you bad looks right now. Is she really? And I'm kidding, Miss Anna. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do so. you, uh, do you, uh, if you got an invite to go noodling right now with you making a career with your hands, throwing a baseball, gripping a baseball bat, working out, and somebody calls you from, let's say, Kentucky, says, hey, man, we want to invite you down here to stick your arm up a catfish mouth underwater four feet. You don't know if there's a snapping turtle down there or not. These dudes are crazy. These rednecks are absolutely insane, Austin Riley. Like, I got this buddy Sam in Kentucky that consistently, Hannah Barron in Alabama, I think she's in Alabama or somewhere down there, I don't know if you know who Hannah is, but I mean, they're, they're, they're sticking their arms up catfish and they're snapping turtles down there too. Would you go, do you have that kind of, of adrenaline need? Are you an adrenaline junkie like that? I'd rather jump out of an airplane than stick my hand up a catfish's mouth. Where are you at on that? I'm definitely sticking my hand in a catfish's mouth before I jump out of a plane. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I would, you know, can't they, they i'm sure they can check to make sure it is a catfish before i stick my hand down in there but you can't that, that see that's not noodling man that's not noodling <laughs> then i might i might have to might have to wait till my hey wait until you retire but, wait until you retire to do something yeah, like that my buddy Leith, my buddy leith lofton who's old miss he's he's from mississippi he's he's from down by greensville he lives in nashville now he does a lot of the music on our shows he's played several real tree events with us he goes noodling all the time i'm like bro you make your living playing a guitar 
one of those fingers gets taken off, you're not playing the guitar anymore. At, at least it's not going to sound the same. Speaking no. of music, Austin Riley, you mentioned hip hop before. You live in the dirty South now in Atlanta. I mean, you got Lil John, you got Lil Wayne, you got a lot of good rap that comes out of there. I talked with Forrest Griffin, who's a UFC champion and a badass in the UFC. Um, he's from he's from Georgia. Are you? Uh, a hip-hop guy all the time or do you throw on a little al dean you're you're living in the state of the best songwriter in the business right now mr brent cobb do you throw on some brent cobb and play him for anna sometime or what's your music flavor like i, I bounce around i like some i like country I, i'm luke holmes I'm, I'm a hip-hop guy when when i'm working out uh, i like a little journey um, sing a little journey for me real quick <laughs> come on sing it for me and anna real quick <laughs> Anna, make him sing a little journey. She, she's not. She said no. She says my voice is way too bad for that. She says, <laughs> she's that a singer of the family. Yeah. Doesn't need to go public. Doesn't says. need to go. You don't want to go public on this podcast right now that you can st- you can take a Steve Perry song and sing it? Yeah, right. Are you no sure? Shot. No shot. What about a little country? <laughs> sing a little Luke Combs for me. Uh, oh, listen to you. You're about to. I think no, if I no, asked you to hip hop, you could probably throw some hip hop down. Some some buy you a drink by T Pain, little throwback. Little T Pain, I like that. Hey, that, hey, I had to do that on the plane last year. Rookie, being a rookie, got called up. Um, after we won, we were flying from San Fran to to St. Louis, and and uh, I'm sitting in the back. I'm sitting there, and they get on the microphone. And they're like, "Austin, come to the front." I'm like, "Oh gosh," because like I said, I'm I'm a quiet guy, and they're like, "All right, well." You got a karaoke for us. So I, I ended up having to see him buy you a drink by T-Pain in front of everybody. And it was probably one of the worst moments of my life. Did, was it freestyle or did they play the background music for you? They played the background. So it wasn't too bad, but it was still, I was still nervous. I probably was ner- more nervous there than the deer I killed in Nebraska last year when he's 15 yards from me. So it was, like I said, I'm not, I hate public speaking, hate, hate any, all that stuff. So um it was it was a challenge so anything anything public speaking wise would be a a a deterrent for you you you're gonna you don't want to go speak to your alma mater high school in south haven and and talk to the kids in the gym i'll do it for like the baseball team but like a a big group i'm I'm gonna need some like you said i'm gonna need some jack daniels before that (laughs) (laughs) well you brought up jack daniels i am do you get to partake in an adult beverage being a major leaguer? Can you go out after a home game win and go over to uh, what's it called? Buckhead. I think that's where I spent most of my nights in Atlanta. Is that, is that the name of the place? Yeah. Yeah. Buckhead. Buckhead. They got um, some cool places over there. Yeah. That, the only thing that's kind of bad about it is we, we finished so late. Um, so I don't like, as far as going out, out, um, we don't, I don't do it a whole lot. Um, but I will partake in some some Jack Daniels and a Coke on a plane ride every now and then. Uh, will Anna do that, or does she stick to the does she stick to the wine spritzers, or what does she have? She'll have uh, the the Crown Apple. She'll do she'll oh, do that nice. every now and then. Uh, hey, you're not allowed to say that on this podcast, Austin. Sorry. Come on, dude. Sorry, sorry, Jack Daniels. <laughs> Jack Apple. Yeah, it's right. better anyway. I'm just messing with you. So, no, but uh, what about a nice yeah. bottle of red wine? Will you go home and cook her a, a beef steak since she hates deer and have a little bit of a little bit of a Merlot or a Burgundy with her? She no, I'm I'm not. Um, my 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 agent Matt Hannaford is is into big wine, so I've I've tasted some, but I like to I like to stick to the the good stuff. 
So if you can't speak in front of public, but you know that millions of people are going to be watching you over the next 10 years of your hunting career and baseball career, what are you going to do now as a host of road trips? Because you and Tyler are both from the South. You're a little bit more North of him, a tiny bit. He's from Georgia. You're from Mississippi. You're from Memphis area, Tennessee. What are you going to do? Are you going to be, I'll be, I'm good. Like I said, as long as, you know, I can plan in front of fans. I, like I said, I don't have to talk, so I'm good there. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm learning, you know, kind of, you know, to just, you know, kind of freely talk whatever it is, um, about it and, and just, you know, really talk about, what I love, like, you know, hunting and baseball is, is pretty easy, but when, I love when, them both. when you ask me to sing right on the spot, I'm, I'm going to crawl into my shell. You uh, lost that loving <laughs> feeling. Come on, Austin, get into it. Well, let's do this again, man. I want you to go out. I want you to get some hacks. I know you got to get warmed up for Toronto Blue Jays coming to town. I hope you hit a bomb tonight. We'll be paying attention. You're going to be a co-host with Mr. Tyler Jordan of Realtree Outdoors, one of our mutual friends, great friend of mine on the new Realtree road trips that can be found on the Realtree 365 app i'm excited for you um let's talk off camera about uh some trips that we're going to uh cut, partake together this duck season um, you guys are you guys are going to come out and uh, hunt the 10 birds a day spec limit with me in california and Ooh. uh we'll film a little episode of road trips out there i've been talking to tyler about it but get to the field man get stretched out get rolled out get your pre-game meal in you man remember stay loose bro get your breathing right. down keep that That's mind right. free tell Anna i said thank you for letting me take 90 minutes of your time you got any closing words my man no i appreciate you having me on here uh, big fan of y'all's and uh we'll, we'll be talking soon Yes, sir. That's Austin Riley, Atlanta Braves, Major League Baseball. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast brought to you by our friends at Real Tree Outdoors and Jack Daniels Tennessee Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I'm Chad Belding. Tom, hit that button. This song is called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone, written by Drake White and Leith Lofton. This version is performed by my man, Leith Lofton, a.k.a. Haas. Thank you all very much. We're all equal. That's what I think. I don't believe even has a bank. Make good use of your time on earth And don't make a dollar bill on this world Cause I'd rather be poor